Welcome to the Unconventional RD Podcast, where we inspire dietitians to think outside of the traditional employment box and create their own unconventional income streams. We'll talk all things online business to help you start, grow, and scale your own digital empire. On today's episode, we have Steve Delacroce, and he is the owner of Nutrition Practice Management, a company that offers admin support to private practice dietitians, which I think is such a fun business idea. So that's what we're going to talk about today on the show. So thanks for being here, Steve. Thank you so much for having me. So I know you have nearly 15 years of experience in this field. So I, I, although I want to talk about your company, Nutrition Practice Management, I'd really love to hear how your career in dietetics started and how that eventually led to you owning a private practice and then founding Nutrition Practice Management. So could you kind of guide us through that journey? Sure. It is not a straight line, so I'll try to make it brief. I actually left college midway through, uh, not knowing I, was, I wanted to be a dietitian. I had no idea what I wanted to be, but uh, I was lucky enough to play music and, and actually do that professionally for a few years. I got to grow up a little. And I knew I wanted to own a business somehow, but no one in my family did. So I didn't know where to start. I figured I'd just go to school and do something that I thought I'd like and get a job. And when I went back to school, I really, I knew how passionate I was about health and, and wellness. And I knew food was a big piece. So I, I went and became a dietitian. I went to Brooklyn College, which is, uh, I'm from Brooklyn, if you can't tell from my accent. Um, so I, you know, again, knew I wanted to own a business and I knew that if I eventually got a private practice, that was a way of owning a business. So figured that was a good place to start. Um, ended up having no idea what kidney disease was, but in my second week of my two week renal rotation, my internship, I ended up falling in love with it and got a job right out of internship in renal. So I worked in dialysis and within a year, I, I understood what, the, what a niche was because now here I am, I have a specialty and I decided to go into private practice dealing mostly with all the issues that I was dealing with on, on a day-to-day, but I wanted to do more preventative and work with that early stage kidney disease and diabetic population to prevent them from maybe advancing the, to dialysis. So, so in 2005... I incorporated myself and I, I honestly, I just talked to people that I knew that owned the business. I, you know, hired a lawyer who explained to me what an S corp was. I had no idea what an LLC was and it just made sense to go with an S corp. So there I am, I, I'm incorporated now and now I have to learn what the heck to do. And trust me, made mistakes with my taxes and you name it. So, and didn't know how to market myself. I had no business background at all, but over the next few years, I, just tried to find ways to learn. So I would read books or I would um, listen to books or actually one of the best advice I got was if you want to own a business, learn how to go, learn how to do sales somehow because you, you, you can get paid to basically run your own little business. And I actually got some work in pharmaceuticals out after being in dialysis for, for a few years. And they, they hired me as an expert in vitamin D with kidney disease. So that was right up my alley, but I got to learn the basics of, of running and and promoting yourself and and doing some things um, the right way and got paid for it. So it was pretty cool. And then it eventually went focused back on the private practice and started networking with doctors and and getting them to know who I was and just filling a void, which was they had no one to really refer patients to with the conditions that they had to deal with. So um, the one thing that I'll say is when I started the private practice and started learning how to have I had a biller and had to learn how to 
to build from them. I really had the idea of, I want this to be bigger than me. I really want to help as many people through health and nutrition as possible. So there are lots of dietitians who don't want to run the business, but they want to see patients. So I, if I figured if I could structure my practice in a way that I could hire on other dietitians, give them work, everyone's happy. So, you know, fast forward to about three years ago, I just got good at billing and really knew how to, how to create processes in my practice so that I wasn't doing all the work. And I had so many dietitians with questions and no clarity at all on how to get paid to run their business uh, and even just have the right mindset of being a business owner that I, I decided to put down these packages together and put it as like a beta test using my own practice to market it. And then I, my first client was uh, another dietitian that I was on the board with at a local dietetic association. You know, we were somewhat friendly. I approached a few people I knew first, gave her a good deal, of course, but, um, it started with that, and, and then the more I started talking to people, the more I saw what the need was and filling that need. So it was never me just trying to make money or just promote myself. It was always about the end result, which was more people getting healthier through nutrition and helping the dietitian facilitate that. And now it's been three years, and, and uh, we're, we're really growing, and it's exciting. So that's a, my long story short. Yeah, that was a great summary. I I feel like there's a lot of parallels that I identify with, even with my own business. And, you know, I, I did start seeing clients one-on-one, -on -one, but then transitioned into more content creation and writing. And then, you know, <laughs> teaching other dietitians how to get found on the internet through their writing sort of became my thing. So, you know, I, I feel you on, you know, seeing some success yourself and then wanting to pass that on to other people so that they can get more visible and help more people. I think that's really powerful. It is. Um, so, okay. So at this moment you have your private practice with like a team of dietitians and then you also have nutrition practice management to help dietitians with more of like the admin side of stuff. Basically anything they need. So it's something that they would hire an assistant for, but usually the dietitians not uh, a full-time practice needing full-time employees. So we, we offer everything as as needed basis, uh, answering phones or doing the billing um, and following up with the bills that, that are trouble and so on and calling and verifying benefits. You just pay for what you use. Basically, we don't have minimums and all that. And you have a diet tech who's been working with me for years. So she really understands what the dietitian's trying to do. So yeah, it just, um, we, we've also launched some web services and other things that just anything incorporating private practice ownership. That's cool. Is it overwhelming to run two businesses? Like how do you manage that time-wise? Uh, I delegate as much as I can. I, my, my goal every week is to find a way to fire myself. So basically getting somebody else to do the day-to-day -day so I could focus on growing and um, really having a wider reach. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's not eight hours a day. It's not five days a week. Um, and I have a family and I have lots of other things going on. But um, you know, when you're passionate about it, you just make time for it and it's not really work. But it's a lot. And some weeks are harder than others. And every day is a problem. But <laughs> it, you know, if I didn't love doing it, I wouldn't do it. And if I didn't really have a passion for our, our end result of helping more people, it, it wouldn't get done. Yeah. And I think that's a cool perspective that you have at, that to even be aware that you're trying to build systems that you could slot other people into. And then you're just kind of rising up and being the overseer and the bigger picture thinker. Cause I, I think that's not super common. 
as dietitians, a lot of times, like you said, we're in the trenches with the one-on-one client work. Um, so that's a, a good perspective, I think, for people to be reminded of that you can create a business like that where it's not all centered around your one-on-one time. But not everyone wants that and that's okay. <laughs> but I think not enough dietitians realize and I always make the comparison to like an electrician or a plumber. Like my brother's an electrician, right? So he is as good of an electrician as you can find, but he's a terrible business owner because he wants to do all the work a certain way. And he doesn't understand that some people have to do some of the work for him. And some dietitians just get stuck in that. They're the practitioner. They're the mechanic. They're the person doing the work. They don't really want to do anything else, but they want to control everything because it's their business, but they also think they have to be the person who does all of it. And you just can't. And it could start with just hiring a good CPA, right? And just not doing your own taxes, like have somebody else look at your business from an outside point of view and get get comfortable with that and going from there. But it's a very different mindset. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing it up and (laughs) shining a light on it. Just in terms of starting this business, the second business, was that, you know, when you told people about it, what was kind of like the reaction that you would get for people? Was it generally supportive or were people like, what are you doing? You already have a business. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the general consensus, and I hope people weren't just being nice to me, but they were saying like, this is a really good idea. There's a need for it. That's to this day, it's still the, the same theme over and over again. There's a need for it. And that if anyone is trying to figure out a business, so let's talk about a private practice trying to get started or having trouble growing, you know, who are you serving? You know, are you trying to create something that no one knows exists? And, you know, there's a couple of different focuses of dietitians, you know, using terminology that people just don't know. And, and who's in your area, you know, who's in your geography, who are the doctors who can refer to you? And if you want to focus on one area and, let's say you're a GI specialist and, and there's there's no real big practices around and everyone else is endocrinology and internal medicine. That's tough. And, and maybe you have to find a way to, to serve those people. But if people aren't finding you, then either you're not giving them what they're looking for or you're not, you know, getting your name out enough. So I, I think it's important to know that you have to serve a certain need. And then it becomes very easy at that point. It really, the business comes in very easily. Yeah, I feel, I agree with that. I, I kind of have found that with at least when I, my SEO stuff that I've been talking about more recently, there is a need and it's fun and I don't have to do that much work because people come to me. Whereas maybe in the past when I didn't have clarity on my messaging or who I was helping, nobody came to me because nobody knew what I did. It makes you feel like you're doing something wrong and it's not, it just, it, it wasn't a straight line like you thought it would be. Yeah, it definitely took me like four or five years to figure out my niche uh, just in life and business in general, I would say, but it worked out. Yeah, <laughs> it was, sounds, I, you're, you're, you're going in the right direction. You're doing good things. Yeah, I think, well, I don't know about how you feel about this, but I think just like taking action was the most helpful and then evaluating how it went and pivoting if I needed to and just continuing to try. Well, do you, do you feel like, making a mistake was okay. Like if it didn't work out, you learned something from it, right? There's no real failure. You no real mistake. You, if as long as you learn from, from that mistake. And by the way, these are not my first businesses. I, I've tried to do other things. And I am one of those people who failed more than they, they've succeeded, but I learn every time. And there's a lot of mistakes I did not make this time around. So it looks good, but you have to, you have to take action. Absolutely. And 
you know, you got to hedge your bet a little bit and, and keep making sure you have some income coming in if you're trying something new and not just close shop and go and do something else or leave your job and start a private practice or whatever you're looking to do. Just make sure you're you're taking things one step at a time because you will make mistakes and you will quote unquote fail. Just learn from it and, and keep pushing forward and, and things that seem to work out. And I think Eric, you're a great example of that. Yeah, a thousand percent. When you were starting this nutrition practice management company, do you have any mistakes that you think that you made in the beginning that you reflect back on and you're like, oh, I really learned from that? Oh, yeah. And they add up to the thousands of dollars. <laughs> so, um, you know, part of it was what I thought, and because we have so many different services, part of it was uh, offering something that actually nobody either wanted or was willing to pay for. And, but it was costing me money to kind of produce the service. So I had to cut that down or cut it out. Um, and I learned through my clients and losing some clients and, and also talking to people who are looking for, for services of what really they needed. So changing our business and changing what we did based on that, only what they needed. And they stopped wasting time and money on the things that really nobody was looking for. So kind of pointless so that that's been a huge difference it's literally changed us to becoming profitable by getting rid of the things we were spending time and money on that we shouldn't have that's such a good insight how often do you look kind of at the data or ask your clients to reflect back on that stuff um well i definitely look at everything monthly but and i'm not the most analytical person but i i I'm very, uh, I guess, intuitive, and I try to feel the way things are going. But black and white is is a good thing, right? The the bank account tells you a little bit of the story. So uh, I definitely don't let too long go before I, I evaluate. And if I see things going the wrong direction, now I can catch them a little earlier after having made those mistakes in the past. Cool. Well, just so the people listening know, I kind of looked at your website and made a note of all the different things that your company offers. So I'm just going to say them out loud so people know what we're even talking about and maybe we can dive deeper into some of them. Thanks. Um, so like I noticed you had insurance verification, billing, credentialing, answering services, which sounds super cool, like picking up the phone when your potential clients call, scheduling, accounting, and bookkeeping, and then some website stuff and Google My Business help which I think is awesome. So like which one of those did you start with? And then did you gradually expand or do you always have all these offers and you honed them? Maybe you had more to begin with. Yeah, right. Um, we, we did take a few things away, but it, it started from my practice, right? That was the beta test. What did I have? I had somebody answering my phones because I was losing clients who would leave a voicemail. And then when I called them back, they didn't answer or they called another dietitian. Now, and then, you know, eventually I got to the point when I had somebody answering my phones professionally, I was the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth dietitian that they called, but that person scheduled an appointment with us because we answered the phone. So I said, oh, wait a second. I can't, that means eight other dietitians didn't answer their phone and lost business. This is a problem. Let me fix it. All right. So we, that's, it kind of started with that. And the billing piece uh, came very soon after that because it, it was something that I, I did on my own and something that I was good at, but um, it was something that everyone really struggled with significantly. So those are the first two that really came about. And then all the other ones are really connected in some way or the other. I mean, we have a website called callfornutrition.com with the number four in it. And the goal of it was to be kind of a directory so people could find you. Um, and there's a few of those out there. 
and I used my own practice as, as a test and had a, a webmaster build it and, and really have people find us through the site. And when I, once I started work, seeing that it worked, we, we offered that out as well. And that's one of those things that I was talking about before that nobody's really willing to pay for and I get it. And so it, it has, it's not as much of a focus on what we do, but it, it, it came from that piece. We realized that people's websites really weren't working and it's a very expensive thing to build and maintain a website. So we, I'm, I work with people and it's not me building the website. So I should be clear, right? It's not me answering the phones. It's not me uh, calling and verifying your benefits, but you know, I have people who are good at what they do, who just really wanted more business. And it's a kind of mutual relationship that we work together. So building a website is part of it, right? That's, that's going to be key. And we try to make it affordable because we're dietitians and we're not going, you maybe make the income a doctor would or, you know, a blue chip business would with a fancy website. So try to do things reasonable, but effective. That was actually going to be my next question. Like, did you hire employees right off the bat? Contractors? Like, how did you find those people? Because I'm thinking as someone who is like thinking about even starting a business in the structure that you described, that seems super overwhelming. Like the hiring part seems like it would be a roadblock. So can you give us some insight on how that goes? Yeah, I think there's options, right? And this all came from just, you know, talking to people built, who own business, working, being in masterminds with other business owners, not nutrition business, right? So other getting other points of view, knowing what the options are, having a good CPA and attorney to talk to and ask these questions to. And I know the laws have changed recently. You used to be able to just hire everybody as a contractor and 1099 them, but it's not quite that simple. But there are some rules around where you can do that. So if somebody wants to just work for you part-time or a few hours a week, as long as you don't give them a schedule, that's a good start for them to be a contractor. And uh, maybe that's appropriate way to go. Uh, but I do also have some third-party vendors. So people who do what they do that I needed that we just kind of partnered up with without um, being business partners. There's a way of, of having a relationship. There's things called joint ventures and there's just um, third-party vendors agreements that you could use their services. Like kind of like white-labeled stuff? white labels the term. Yeah. Not everyone knows what white labels. So I'll, I'll you know, peel back the, uh, the veil a little bit. So white label means that, and, and I think it comes from wine, actually. So oh, I didn't know that. A lot of wine that you buy with a name on it wasn't produced by that winemaker. There's, a, you know, farms out there, and what they do is they they're good at farming grapes and making wine, and then companies come in and they put their own label on the bottle, but it's another person's wine. By the way, supplements are famous for that, right? There's there's a couple of very good supplement companies that you can buy and basically just put your own label on it. That's called a white label. So that's that's the approach I've taken with a couple of services and then other services that I need somebody, you know, more in-house that they become uh, more part of the team under the umbrella. Yeah, even in SEO you can do that. Like you can hire people to do the audits for you and then you can use their report and put your your business on it if you wanted. Just make sure you trust them, right? And make sure they do good. They have to still do good work. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've never done that, but I just know it exists out there. So that sounds, you know, totally outside, I think, of the wheelhouse of skill set that we have as a dietitian. So, I mean, it sounds like you've had mentors and you've learned and you're in masterminds. Do you have any tips for dietitians who maybe want to get better at the business side of things, suggested resources? 
yeah, you know, there's a lot out there. And it, part of where this came from too, was that I got out and started networking. And um, for those people who don't know me, I'm as introspective and shy as they come, but you know, when I'm passionate about something, I'll get out and talk. So being out and networking with people who are not only not in the health field, but I mean, had every business imaginable. So I joined a BNI group. If you haven't heard of Business Networking International, just look it up. There's a chapter, I guarantee, within a mile of your house. Um, and you go out and you meet people and you have to start talking to people about what you do. And within 30, 60 seconds, you have to tell them who you are, what you do, and what you offer. And you find a lot of resources there. People are willing to really share those resources and and everyone starts talking about their business structure and how they're set up and whatnot uh, and that's different than a mastermind which would be actually having regular scheduled meetings with a group to hopefully no more than six seven maybe eight people uh, to be effective but if you're going to join a mastermind make sure that everyone there has something you could learn from and the best scenario will be that they're a little more advanced than you are in just about everything so that you can gain a lot, but you have to bring value to that group as well. So you have your specialty and, and something you can offer, but um, look for, look for, re there's a ton of resources out there. Some of it's free, some of it's paid and some of it's worth the money. How do you find masterminds in particular? Um, you know, there's a, there's a few websites out there. I'm actually struggling finding my next one, to be honest with you. It's because I, I want to break out of, uh, you know, just my niche. Um, I, th I mean, do a lot of searches, but again, if you go to some of these other groups, like the networking groups or Toastmasters or even Kiwanis groups, you know, things that are part of your community, you will find a lot of business owners and a lot of which who, you know, they want to grow their business too. So they're looking for, meeting with people who are like-minded. Are they typically paid or are they just set up by peers? If there's a facilitator, they, they might be a fee. Um, but a lot of people just meet, you know, over coffee or if somebody offers up their conference room and you go just meet there for an hour once a month. Uh, and now there's a lot of online resources. And I know plenty of dietitians who are part of dietitian mastermind groups. And maybe it's as simple as putting out a post on your Facebook and saying, hey, I'm looking for like-minded people to be in a mastermind group with, and you'd be surprised where it leads because somebody knows somebody who knows somebody. So it's just part of that networking piece. That's why I brought that up first because it does start there. And there's, a, there's just so many resources, but um, there's also a lot of great books that you can learn some of the basics from. I mean, on my favorite thing in the world is my Audible account. You know, I just constantly listen to new books. Um, I used to read at least 10 books a, a year when I, when I commuted and it just, it, it learned what I wanted to learn and which was to, to get better at being a business owner, not a dietitian business owner, but really understanding what, what's necessary from, from running a, a true business and not just being self-employed and being my own boss, but beyond that. So read, listen, meet people, you know, kind of, do things that you didn't think you would have to in the past, but take that action first and, and it'll lead you to the next step. Definitely. Thanks. That was really helpful advice. I've dabbled in the thought of joining a mastermind, but I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. So I'm always curious like to hear other people's perspectives. What are you, where do you see yourself going with your career and your two businesses? What's your long-term vision? Do you plan to continue to run both of them or lean harder into one or the other? What do you think? 
Yeah. So, I mean, the private practice uh, where we're, I'm based in New York and Long Island and, and we're pretty much the only renal private practice. So people come to us from, you know, over an hour away. I have a call with somebody in India on Friday. I mean, it's just, you know, when you have a niche, there's a need for it. So it's hard to stop doing that. But because so many dietitians want nothing to do with any of the admin work, they just want to see patients, but they're great at it. That's who I bring into my practice. So uh, we're not huge, but we, you know, we, but being that a niche, we were a little bit smaller, but you know, that I don't see stopping, although I could say, Oh, I can't focus on it anymore. I'm just going to go on to the next thing. But again, I put pieces in place of, you know, the phones being answered, the clients are being scheduled, billing is being done and the patients are being taken care of. There's a lot of value that we're offering to that community. So there's no reason to stop it. But from a large point of view and really kind of taking care of my family long term and, that, that I see through business ownership, that's, that's for me personally. So nutrition practice management is, is where I'm mostly focused. And I think there's a lot more we haven't done. Most people don't know we exist. You, you know, we have over 30 private practices as clients, um, probably gonna cross 40 this month just for different services. And most people don't know we exist. So, is, and again, if I didn't think there was a need, I wouldn't be going forward, but we're excited to do some advertising in a lot of the state meetings coming up um, in the next few months. So hopefully people will hear our name and hear some people sharing stories about us being good at what we do, hopefully. And um, I think there's just thousands of dietitians who need help. And I'm, I'm actually uh, starting to look into build a course for billing and, and insurance and, and all that fun stuff that nobody wants to do and really get, just cut those errors down and keep and speed up the time a dietitian can go from starting private practice to actually uh, being successful in it and, and not stressing out over something that we don't learn in school. I think I've spoken to a few interns who've learned about business ownership and insurance because they had a couple of good professors, but I didn't learn it and most of us did not learn it and they need help. So that's just, that's what keeps us going. Yeah, I definitely didn't learn. I mean, I learned a little bit about business. We had people come in and speak about whatever they did. And a lot of them were entrepreneurs, but I don't recall specifically learning anything about insurance for sure. Um, and I think it's super powerful that you are a dietitian. So people, I think just inherently maybe feel a little bit more trusting because they're like, oh, you get it. You do this. And <laughs> it's not like some other person just seeing the business opportunity and trying to fill the need without really understanding the nuts and bolts of everything. So I think that's a huge plus <laughs> for your, your company. I hope that comes through when I talk to people that really it's the truth. I get where they're coming from. How, do, how does a dietitian or business owner know when they're ready to start outsourcing admin work? Like, is there an ideal time or stage of their business that you typically recommend they start thinking about it? Yeah, you know, I think it depends on time, right? Time available to to do all this. And right, we all probably know some great dietitians who just set aside time and do their own billing and answer their phones and, and get it all done. And that's great. That's that delegating is not for them. They handle it. They, you know, they have exactly how much business they want and they're very happy. So not talking about that. So the dietitian who this is typically who calls, right? It's the dietitian who has a, either a full-time job or and or a part-time job and has a couple little kids at home and they want more than anything to have a private practice. They want the flexibility and the extra income, but now they've run out of time because that every minute is filled with helping somebody else and maybe seeing some patients. So it's usually crossing over about five patients per week, five hours of billable 
patient time per week. Then you have some revenue coming in, your rent's paid, a couple of your basic costs are paid. Uh, and now time is a real factor because if you want to go from five to 10, then that's time taken away from doing the admin work. Uh, so that's a time that it makes sense to reach out to somebody and find out who, you know, who could help you. And definitely over 10 hours a week, it, it becomes a little more challenging. So um, again, the dietitian who maybe is a second career or uh, their kids are now out of the house, right? they, they've grown up and now they have some more free time. Maybe they can do it all, all on their own. But just like I used the example of answering phones before, if you're not answering your phone because you're busy seeing clients, how much business are you losing? So that might be one of those examples where you didn't realize that you could have been growing, but you weren't because you were doing it all yourself. So that pain point that once you start feeling that's a problem, that's a good place to find, find some help, right? Um, billing being specific, if you're just completely lost and, and I, I'm not laughing because it's just how often I hear it. And it's sad that it, it's not, it's such an important part of a private practice, but it's not something that everyone knows how to do that point again reach out for resources take a course you know do some great online resources out there learn what you have to do from a basic level because then it's repetitive and if it becomes a point where well for what it would cost me to hire a biller i could see three extra patients a month and make that money up and i'm a lot happier seeing patients that's a part of the conversation too right it's not just giving money away that you could have uh, kind of swapped out for your time. It's actually you'd prefer doing something else with your time, or maybe you want to create an online group, create an online course, write a book, do some presentations. But now you need time. That's when you have to delegate out, and it hurts in the beginning because you're outlaying money for a service until you've you know re gotten a return on that new venture of yours. But yeah, that's where a plan comes into place. And that's why you have to look a little bit long term and understand things don't happen overnight. And maybe you're looking six to six months to a year later of you actually um, collecting on this, this new opportunity. And in the meantime, you had to pay somebody to, to take that uh, task off your plate, but it was worth it in the long run. So there's a couple of pieces to the conversation. And if any dietitian ever called me, we go through that. We talk about it, really, what makes sense for them. A lot of times they know it at that point. Um, so I just don't want anyone to wait until it's so bad that they're losing money and they're stressed out. And if, I mean, I had dietitians in tears on the phone. I never want to hear that. I mean, you're supposed to be happy doing what you do. Um, so don't wait. You know, really have a plan and say, okay, well, now I have 10 clients a week. Well, once I get to 15, I'm going to need help there. So let me find out what's out there and then I can pull the trigger without losing anything, losing any momentum and definitely losing sleep. Those are, that was really good advice. Since I've never run an in-person or insurance-based private practice really, and I've never had an admin assistant uh, in that context, I'm curious, like how do the business owner and the admin help person um, stay organized and coordinated? Do they like meet on a regular basis or, you know, how does that all work? Yeah, that's a good question because most of what we do is virtual. So um, it's not like we have meetings and we kind of see each other in the office every day. Um, and, and same thing with our clients that, you know, look at us as their admin. So we're virtual in one spot and, and our clients are all over the country, literally. So you know, obviously there's email and, and the occasional text. I'm actually looking into Slack 
which is becoming more popular as in, in might be an option because it's HIPAA compliant where we can talk to clients. So maybe by the time everyone hears this, I'll be using Slack even with my, my staff. But um, I think technology is going to going to be a lot more helpful. We use a lot of Google G, you know, Google drive uh, tasks like docs and sheets and all that. And we can see what each other is doing and uh, communicate when something needs to be done. We, we do a lot of encrypted email with you know HIPAA and so on, but um, that it, it's a challenge because you're not face to face, but at the same time, there's an expectation that everyone has to do what they have to do and there's got to be accountability. So a little check in here and there, um, yeah, whether it's, you know, clients can check in with us as often as they need to. Uh, we set up meetings. We do some, like with some of our larger practices, we have every two weeks, we have a call and go through everything, make sure they have what they need and we're doing what we have to do. So you don't want to let too long go between an accountability check. Um, so I, I'm hoping that some that Slack or some other technology is going to help just kind of smooth that out a little bit. Cool. Do you work with, so I'm just imagining maybe someone's hiring a, a person to help with answering the phone and scheduling, for example. Do you, do you guys like share logins if they use a certain scheduling service or do you have your own system? How does that normally work? Yeah, well, for us in particular, we try to use whatever the dietitian has. Like we don't want to recreate the wheel. We don't want to make it more complicated. We want them to own everything. So it's their accounts and their logins. Some portals, like we do, obviously we're dealing with EMRs all the time. The EMRs might or might not have an admin uh, access. So they can, we could use our own email and login, but we can log into their portal and see what, what needs to be done. And some portals don't have that. And it just boggles my mind sometimes because it just complicates things. So we try to work with as if we were personally in the office of the dietitian, as if we were right next to them and or at the front desk and you would have access to everything there. That's kind of how we work. And it's been working really well. Um, nobody's had any security issues and we were very conscious of HIPAA. We have a business associate agreement between every client. If you don't know what that is, it's basically saying that you're responsible for everything that happens with HIPAA and whoever's seeing what you're doing and involved in working with those patients and that information that they're also responsible. So we want to take that as serious as we can. And, and again, it's a challenge being at a distance, but at the same time, it's, it really should work as if we were in the office together. That's awesome. Do you have like a, an EMR or EHR or whatever people like to call it uh, that you prefer? Don't to put you on the spot, but no, I, you know, we, we try to learn all of them. Uh, the popular ones are Calyx, uh, simple practice is becoming more popular, uh, practice better. And they only just recently started a billing feature. So there's some, you know, hitches there. Um, a lot of people were using office ally, but they've gotten away from that as far as an EHR and healthy. Those are the, those are the, I would say those four especially. So, and, and we've been using Calyx and my practice for probably six years now and the majority of our clients happen to have that um i think it's just popular because it's, it's dietitian created and so on but again health is very popular and i find that some people just have a preference in that and we tell them just use what you like just make sure it's effective and and does what it has to do and doesn't slow you down and they're all a little different in some ways and that creates problems here and there but um they're, they should be affordable. That's another thing, you know? So it's like whatever services you're going to use, don't pay for something you're not going to use and make sure it, it does what it has and it's, you know, kept up and it's uh, up to date and so on. So, yeah, uh, I don't want to promote any one, but we definitely work with all of them. Cool. 
Yeah, that's helpful. I think there's probably people listening who might not even be familiar with any of those. So now they have some some leads and some things to check out. Cool. So if someone is ready or they think they're ready to reach out and get some support, do should they be calling you already knowing exactly what they need help with and like have a system in place that they're just ready to kind of hand off? Or would your company help them get organized if they're feeling like they're just barely holding all the balls in the air? Sure. Uh, it depends. Um, sometimes I, I do a lot of mentoring, so I'm happy to steer people in the right direction. Sometimes that's, that's enough. They have an idea what they need. And sometimes we have to figure out what it is that hurts the most, right? That pain point. Um, so they come to the website, they just, you know, put in a note about what they're doing and, and I get a message and I'll reach out to them soon to just say, okay, this is where you're at. This is what you need, or this is what you thought you need, but you know, have you thought of this? And most important thing to, to me, whether they're a client or not, is that they get a process in place because it just takes a lot of the mental stress off. Right? You have to have things done a certain way at a certain time. Otherwise you're just pulling your hair out of your head. So, um, if, if nothing else, I just steer them in the right direction and, and make some suggestions. And if they can't do it or if they're ready at that point and they know what they need, then that's what we're there for. And we're only going to offer, you know, what they need. But uh, we also offer, you know, extra discounts if they're using multiple services and so on. Um, so I, I've gotten dietitians who literally have not incorporated yet and don't even have an MPI number to you know, dietitians with four, four dietitians in their practice. So it, it's really through the gamut. And I think everybody has an opportunity. And by the way, dietitians have outgrown us. And I'm more than happy for them because they've gotten so big that they actually had to hire in-house an assistant and a biller. And we were like, congratulations. I'm, nothing excites me more than seeing dietitians succeed. So, so that's great. Like we know where we were at. We're not for the very much, very beginner, but we're, we're maybe not for the biggest practice, but there's a whole lot in between who need our help and, and that's fine. So, but really my, my goal is to get them steered in the right direction. That's number one. I like that, that that's been a common thread. I feel like throughout this interview, being very clear that like do what's right for you. You know, I agree. There is no like one way or one thing you have to be doing. And um, so I appreciate that you're continuing to drive that point home, you know, I'm trying. Yeah. Um, so is there like a ballpark uh, like estimate of what people should expect to spend on these types of things like insurance billing or credentialing or phone services, that type of stuff? Well, they're definitely all different. And again, it's, it's as needed service. So, you know, the busier practice needing the phone answered could be several hundred dollars a month. Um, and somebody just starting out who just is working all day and sees patients at night and can't answer the phone, but only has the phone ring once a day, you know, it's, it might be under a hundred dollars a month, but meanwhile, all they need is one or two new clients to pay for that. Right. So it's worth it. Uh, and billing and, and not to push ourselves, but for billing, usually billing companies charge a percentage. And I want everyone to kind of be careful out there because number one, you know, the work isn't very different from one bill to another. So to, to collect more on one insurance, you know, paying more, bill or really, why should they get paid more? So we do a flat rate, but the other piece is that there's about 12 or 13 states in the country that it's illegal to charge a professional a percentage of what they make. And we're based in New York and it's illegal there. Every billing company does it anyway. They charge a percentage. So we just came up with a flat rate. It's $1.50 for every unit that you bill. 
And, you know, we're going, going to do just the same amount of work as we would if we were getting paid more. But I'd rather you kept the upside on an insurance company paying you more than paying it to us. There's really no benefit to you there. Uh, so watch out for, you know, billing companies charging 7 8 9%. Um, 6% is definitely the average. And there's unfortunate, been an unfortunate situation lately of a company that kind of um, – decided not to work with dietitians going forward and, and they also raised their rents for the current customers and I've heard as much as 9% there and plus a base fee and all these other things that just not really adding more value to the service. So dietitians should know what that ballpark is, you know, run the number of, okay, well, if I have this amount of hours per month and I'm going to pay a biller at this amount for that work, how much does that cost me and how much am I getting in return? In other words, how much time am I getting back? And can I see an extra couple of patients a week and more, not just pay for the service, but make money on it? That should be what they're looking for when they're trying to find a biller. That's super helpful. I don't know anything about billing or how much it usually costs for people to do that. So that is really enlightening. Well, I don't want to bore the uh, non-insurance taking dietitians out there. You know, it's still important for them to know how they're getting paid to. And and what a lot of them, uh, the excuse me, a lot of the non-dietitians um, or the dietitians that don't take insurance, excuse me, don't know is they can bill out of network for insurance, which is their, what their patients would prefer they do. So maybe it's worth looking into having that process instead of just giving a super bill and wiping your hands of it, maybe saying, hey, I'm going to... I'm going to take care of submitting the bill for you. It's worth, you know, you paying up front for my service, but maybe I can get you reimbursed. And it's really not more complicated than clicking a couple of buttons on an EMR and submitting the bill sometimes. So, you know, there's more, I don't want to, I don't want to exclude the dietitians who don't take insurance when they're listening to this. I think I want to bring them some value too. That's cool. I didn't really know that I like, I didn't see clients for that long, but I was just private pay. And sometimes I would give people super bills, but I didn't even know that there was another thing I should be thinking about or consider doing. You didn't learn that in school? Nope. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I think that's super helpful. And people listening, even if they don't have a private practice, I think they're probably just learning a lot about systems and business and staying organized and really taking the time to, like you said several times, like, what is my time worth and what am I getting back by outsourcing some of these things? Um, I think that applies to a lot of different types of businesses as well. Absolutely. So switching gears a little bit, just talking about entrepreneurship in general, since you have so much experience and wisdom to share, like, do you have any advice for the budding entrepreneur now? Like anything maybe you really wish that you knew when you were first starting out? Um, I, I think, well, maybe it was just me, but marketing is, is not something that comes natural to a lot of us, right? I mean, a lot of us really, we know what we have to offer and we, we want to help people, but we, ha we can't get the word out. I think just finding something that you're comfortable with and, you know, when you're comfortable and at ease, you can talk about anything. And if you're really passionate about what you do, make it simple. Find a way to explain to people what you do in 30 seconds. If you can do that and they understand who it is that you're helping, how you help them and what you bring to the table, then you could promote yourself to anybody, right? So that conversation might go to, you know, making a relationship with a couple of doctors in your area and how do you do that? Well, it's, it's literally as simple as just having a conversation. 
Um, marketing was something that I still read books on and still learn about because it's, it does not come naturally to me at all. I'm not a natural salesman. I'm not a promoter. I, I slack on email marketing and you name it. I, you haven't seen a post from me in weeks because I've been so busy. So, but you know, when I can talk to somebody, I can explain what I can do that I've gotten good at. So definitely get clear on what you do. And that's why I really promote niche. And when you're doing any business, um, I think it makes you laser focused and that means you, your target audience is laser focused. You know who you're going after rather than casting a wide net and getting very little. So I think getting really clear on that is something that I didn't know I had to do in the beginning. I, I went through that as well. Like my very first year straight out of the gate, I was working a farmer's market booth and somebody asked me like what I did and I was like, I'm a dietitian. And like, End of sentence. And I don't think that person understood at all. Let's not get the audience started on why people don't know what a dietitian is. Did they ask you if you work out? Because it's one I would get all the time. Yeah, it's so, so bad. But um, yeah, I think I I, I don't even know if I would have realized the things I was doing wrong inherently, but I agree just reading marketing stuff and starting to get into that world. It's like so many light bulbs. (laughs) You're just like, whoa. I was not approaching this the right way mm-hmm. in the beginning. It's a whole new world. Yeah. But I agree. I, a, lot, a lot of us are not natural salespeople. Um, I think this profession attracts a lot of helping souls. And, you know, yes. and that's not always um, the same person who's maybe really great at marketing. So it's definitely a learned skill. But I don't think we should be afraid of it, which is why I'm glad we're talking about that. And do you have any advice maybe for other people who are hearing your story and they're like, wow, okay, he has a practice and then he has this other passion and he started another business and maybe they have been having an idea circle in their brain about a second side business maybe that they could create to help dietitians or maybe something totally unrelated. Um, Do you have advice for people who are thinking about starting possibly a second business? Uh I think two things. One is you have to find where the need is, right? So if if you're filling a need, it's going to happen very organically and maybe quicker than you think. Maybe not quick, um, like, you know, cashing in quick, but at the same time, you'll see all of a sudden referrals come in and people saying, talking about what you're doing and, you know, it's not hard. You're not spending money on marketing and all of a sudden people are asking you to do that thing. Um, that that's one thing. I think you have to explore the market, if you will, really figure it out. So, I mean, if you're thinking of starting an online group or a course, I think you have to see who's looking for it. Right? So go on Google and, and find, you know, when, what are people looking for? Right? Type in the topic that you're talking about and see what the common questions are that come up and the common things that people need. Uh, see what else is being offered. If somebody else is selling what you have, it might make sense for you to go into that business because there's a, it already exists, right? You don't have to own the market. So whether it's an online course or, uh, and, you know, a niche in the private practice or finding out, you know, do I start a private practice? Are there other dietitians in my area? Maybe that's something you have to find out before you just go and, you know, start paying rent somewhere. Like that's not what you should do. But the other thing is, and I had a conversation with another dietitian friend of mine a while ago, is she had this new thing she wanted to offer and she was so afraid of charging for it because she didn't know if she was going to be good at it, right? She didn't know if she was going to bring value to that patient. So I said, well, offer it at a discount or maybe do it for free the first time and just like, see what the response is. If the woman would have said, 
in this case, the client was a woman who would have said, yeah, I would have paid for this or I would have paid X amount for this. You should charge more. Then you didn't lose anything just because you gave that service away for that one person. You gained a lot of insight and it saved you a lot of time and money. So don't be afraid to kind of do a little, you know, discount or, or free trial and, and just do a very small beta test in the beginning of whatever it is that you're trying to do without sinking a lot of time and money into it. Cause, and maybe we should talk about this, Erica, stop worrying about being perfect. Right. I know you've talked about it on your podcast. It's like, it's okay. Like you're going to evolve and change. Even if you think you know what your business should look like identical to somebody else's, there's going to be something change, whether it's technology and how people find you or how you bill for them or whatever it is. So you just have to just explore a little bit and be ready to be a little flexible. But, um, you know, don't, don't think it's going to look exactly how it is in your brain a, a year or two from now, if at all. So just go out there and, and try, to, try to offer some value and, you, and you'll see what the response is. That's really good advice. I, there's a few things that popped in my head while you were talking. <laughs> Number one, I, a few episodes ago, I interviewed Samantha Scruggs, who also has a private practice, but ended awesome. up starting a second business on like Facebook marketing because mm-hmm. she got really good at that. And she's really good. Yeah. It's like exactly the same type of thing where it sort of just comes to you when there is a need for it. I feel like that was something that she was talking about. And then your, your point about giving stuff away or offering it at a discount, sort of like beta testing and verifying, I, that's been a game changer in my own business as well. And that was even how my very first online business success, my membership site, um, the Functional Nutrition Library, where I just like amassed all my notes and put them behind a paywall, basically, that was born from sharing my notes for free and then people being like, oh my gosh, I would pay for this. So, you know, it's those organic things that maybe you even overlook because it seems so easy to you. You're like, people would pay for this? Like, <laughs> right. I agree, you know, like listening to those moments. Was that the first paid site you had? Yeah. Yeah. My wow. first actual win online after trying to food blog for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So great advice. Great advice all around. Uh, and for people listening, I know you're, you're like, oh, I don't want to self-promote too much, but totally fine. <laughs> I know you have um, you have an offer for people who are listening if they want to check you out and um, you know look more into your services. Can you tell us more about what you have to offer for listeners and how they can access it? Sure. Yeah. So um, if you come to nutrition management, but it's MGN as in Nancy T, MGNT, or you just search us, like, please like us on Facebook and all that fun stuff, obviously. But uh, if you come to the website, uh, we are offering some free services. So like, if you are going to be credentialing yourself with an insurance company, we can give you a cheat sheet. Or if you're making some insurance verification calls, just uh, send us a note. If it's not up there, we'll, we'll send you a little bit of a, a kind of like a template to follow. And uh, so, you know, you don't forget anything on that phone call to the insurance company that you waited 25 minutes to speak to one rep for one patient for. Um, but one thing is there was, you know, maybe I won't mention the company, but there was a company recently who just I was talking about before, just totally dropped the ball on dietitians. And I've had them call me literally in tears just saying, I don't, they were doing my billing. Now they're not, I don't know how I'm going to get paid and I need to do X, Y, and Z. So we, we took them on and we, we really just set them up correctly. So clients who are coming over who don't have um, a portal to input their insurance billing to and need to set up an office ally account. 
which we recommend to everybody. The setup could take a little while, so we're going to do that for free. If you become a billing client, we'll set you up on Office Ally. We'll, we'll take care of all the forms that have to get filled out. You might just have to sign a few things, but it'll be one less thing for you to worry about. Um, and, and we'll try to get you paid on some of the, the claims that have been left in limbo. Unfortunately, that's the really saddest part. You did all what you had to do and somebody else decided not to follow through. So we want to pull that through uh, as much as possible. And for anybody else who just needs help setting up, you know, Office Ally, I just mentioned that you, you heard us on, on the Unconventional Dietitian uh, podcast, and we'll, we'll make sure we help you out in some way or another and, and get you going in the right direction. Cool. And this is totally going on a side tangent again, but can you just like really quick recap what Office Ally is? Oh, sure. Duh. Um, it's called a clearinghouse. Um, Office Ally does offer an EMR and a platform where you can enter your patients in, you can put your bills in, but basically it's almost like, you know, you, you, maybe you send bills to 10 different, di- um, to 10 different insurance companies. You put all your bills into one place, maybe through what's called a batch of all your claims, and you click a button and they send it out to all 10 insurance companies. So you don't have to log into each portal for each company or in a, back in the day, you'd have to fax or mail to each and every single company and then track it. This hubs it all in one place and you can track your, your claims. And you could also find out, um, you know, most dietitians used to get an EOB or an explanation of benefits, which tells you how much the claim was paid for what services. In the electronic world, it's called an ERA, electronic remittance advice. And in Office Alley, all the ERAs will come in there. So every time you get paid and hopefully you get that money deposited right into your bank account, you can go there and see who, which patient that linked up to. And it just houses it in one place. And, and we as a billing company will go in there and collect those bills and update your bills for you and, and keep you up to date. Uh, but it's also a place to find out if you've been denied and you need to do some more work there. So it could be a really valuable thing. It used to be free. Now they have a flat rate of $35,000 a month sometimes. And we'll get into the details, but it's worth it because it just keeps it all in one place. So that little extra cost is annoying, for some people, but it's worth it in the long run. That makes a lot of sense. And it seems like uh, this could be wrong, but is this mostly applicable, your services and stuff for people with brick and mortar businesses, since if one of the main services you offer is insurance stuff, or would people who run virtual practices have um, a benefit for contacting you as well? Uh, If they're virtual and they need to bill in or out of network, we can definitely help them. Um, what One thing we do when we make insurance verification calls is sometimes we have to ask is telehealth part of what the patient's benefits offer. Sometimes it's not. And, and there's a lot of gray area with, with telehealth and uh, what's covered. And for the most part, insurance companies have told us just bill it as an office visit because you should be in your office when you're providing the service anyway. Um, so maybe we can help with that. And, and maybe they just need some help with their website because they're all virtual and they haven't found a good webmaster. So come talk to Melissa. She, she does great work, really affordable, but she will make sure you're searchable on Google. Like that is number yeah. one. Totally agree. Google, my business is like so important, <laughs> especially for, well, obviously only for local businesses, but yeah. Um, Cool. So um, before we sign off, can you just like let people know maybe your website again and maybe your preferred social media platform that they can connect with you um, on? And I'll put all this in the show notes for anyone listening, but just say it aloud as well for people who are maybe on the go. 
Sure. Uh, and before I do that, I just want to thank you for having me on. You're doing great, great work. I really love your podcast. And uh, I know a lot of people are following it too, and, and they're gaining a lot from it. So it's very cool to see you succeed. Yeah, um, thank you. So our website is uh, www.nutritionmanagementmgnt.com. Uh, and again, Nutrition Management on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. Please connect with me on LinkedIn, Steve Delacroce. Um, D-E-L-L-A-C-R-O-C-E. Apple will put all those links in there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm probably on Facebook the most. If you don't know that there's a lot of great Facebook groups, private groups, there's uh, credentialing and insurance for dietitians. There's um, private practice dietitians. There's even group dietitians. If you have multiple dietitians in your practice, there's a couple of other really good groups and lots of free resources there. So take advantage of them. I will put the links to all of those in the show notes. I know I'm in some of them, but it's not super applicable to me because I'm not like running that type of business, but so, so, so helpful. People are so generous and I've, I've found a lot of value in Facebook groups for sure. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for being here today. It was really good to connect and meet you quote unquote virtually. <laughs> it was great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Really. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. As I mentioned, I didn't know much at all about insurance credentialing or even working with somebody to kind of take the admin load off your plate as a private practice owner. So I'm really grateful for Steve for giving us an hour of his time and imparting all the wisdom that he did during this episode. If you want to check out more information about Steve and his businesses or any of the links in, to the resources that we mentioned, just go to theunconventionalrd.com slash episode 011, episode 11. Um, that's where you can find all the extra information. Thanks again for spending an hour of your time with us today. And as always, if you have not yet connected with us in the Unconventional RD community on Facebook, please come check it out. There's over 7,800 awesome people in there. The conversations are engaging, generous, enlightening, and focused on business. So come check it out, the Unconventional RD community on Facebook, if you're not already in it. Have a great Monday.